you know, I would not have said at the beginning of that year that, hey, look what God is doing. But at the end of that year, it was easy to look back and say, oh, how about that? I made time. I did these things I've always talked about doing. And look how God's unfolded this. Welcome to the Strategic Ministry Podcast, where we seek to help church and ministry leaders think more strategically in order to reach more people with the gospel. Today, I'm joined by Dale Roddy. Dale is a longtime pastor, having served in a variety of roles. He's currently the lead pastor of Westlake Church in Indianapolis. His passion is helping people and churches discover and fulfill their God-given potential. Let's join in the conversation. Why don't you tell me a little bit about your context right now and we'll maybe we'll go backwards through your journey how about that we'll, yeah, we'll that do sounds, things a little bit different <laughs> that, that sounds about right for us so <laughs> right here we yeah. go right normally we'd start at the beginning and end at the end but that just sounds boring <laughs> so let's start at the end and end at the beginning <laughs> all right so yeah i'm at uh westlake church it's uh, church of god anderson which is a new denomination to me. It's in Indianapolis, which is a new city and state to me. And we did it in the middle of COVID. And, you know, it's been uh, an interesting transition, but it's been a great place. It's a, it's a church that uh, has a really good past and a lot of ministry success and kingdom successes associated with the church. But it's also a church that it's been in probably about 10 years of decline before mm-hmm. I got here. And so it's it's just a really interesting place in ministry for the first time in life, um, or in ministry at least, the building is not one of the big impediments. We've got a beautiful facility. Uh, it's <laughs> 20 years old and needs some updates, but it's really fantastic, well-planned. Um, but it's a group of people who have been through a lot, seen a lot of their friends walk away mm-hmm. and so it's been a very different ministry context for me to be in a place like this. Yeah. And that's, you know, uh, I think COVID brought about a lot of change for a lot of churches and a lot of ministry leaders. And so, you know, what what kind of led you to this moment to decide like, yeah, this is this is the right church. This is the right time. Like, how do you discern God's voice, especially in the midst of all of that, I'm just going to call it chaos because that, that's really yeah. what what it is, right? You know, we were working together at, at that time and we'll, we'll get to some of that part of the story. But like, you know, it was day to day just trying to survive to the night, right? It was like, OK, we made it through this Sunday. How do we survive <laughs> to yeah. next su- Right. And, yeah, and, and then, sometimes it was tomorrow, not right <laughs> next you week. Know? Yeah. And, and so how do you in the midst of that? discern kind of that larger call to take a big step to you know to shift where you are you know like you said you moved states you moved jobs really you know went from oh. executive to to lead and so yeah well um i would say i i think we'll talk about some strong spiritual components to that but mm. as my wife reminds me i tend to blow up my life every 10 years anyhow so um it's not the first time and, you know, going back to, you know, starting as a computer engineer and then leading a tech company and then getting transitioned into ministry and executive pastor, campus pastor, executive pastor, 
um, and now lead pastor. It's um, it's hard to say, you know, exactly what leads to every transition, but I would say for me, it all starts with kind of a holy discontent, um, not a um, mad where I'm at or I, I don't like it anymore. In fact, most of the transitional moments in my life have come when I think things are, you know, on top of the world or at least feeling pretty good. And, um, you know, that's very much the case here. I was in a, a new role at my former church and, uh, you know, had stepped back from preaching uh, as much as I had been used to as a campus pastor, uh, had a staff that I loved, a, a ministry that I loved. It was all part of the same church. And, um, you know, we all got, as you said, thrown into the chaos of COVID and you know, trying to figure that out. But, you know, God had started something in me prior to COVID mm. about, you know, getting back to leading a congregation. Um, it wasn't so much about uh, preaching, although I love that and, you know, love to see uh, the impact of that. But it was just really more the ability to, you know, take a group of God's people and kind of figure out what he's doing and where he's going and, and try to help uh, guide along on the journey or follow along on the journey. And I really missed that. And, uh, God just started to unfold some things and, you know, I don't know who first introduced the idea of being a lead pastor, um, me, a book, a conversation. I don't remember. I do <laughs> remember it freaked me out enough that I really try to figure out what to do with that. And mm. so I, uh, First went through every resource I could find about, you know, calling journeys and those kind of things. And mm -hmm. I just felt God was continuing to develop that and, you know, actually did two separate professional coaches, um, one more Christian life coach, one more a ministry coach um, to see, okay, I think I'm hearing this. Could it be real? And you know, it was, it was cool to hear affirmation out of that, but, you know, at the same time, you know, we're in the, the COVID chaos going through that. And it, it was really uh, a challenge to almost have two completely separate tracks going on in my mind during that. But as chaotic as COVID was, it also, I think, disrupted our routines enough that it created space to be able to process that. So, mm. yeah, I, I think it just starts with that little nudge from God, that holy discontent that mm. mm -hmm. there might be something more and, at least every time he's done that, uh, it's kind of a scary thing. And then when I think of possibilities of what it might be, it becomes a really scary thing. And Yeah. Well, and I think that's an interesting idea because I think so many times we get this uh, idealized view of God's call on our life that it's, you know, and, and we talk, right, being with God brings peace and, and we know the truth of that. But that doesn't mean it's not scary, right? When we look at <laughs> stories throughout the Bible of the call that people had, right? they were afraid of it most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, are you sure? Right. I, I think about Moses and how many excuses yep. Moses came up with and right. Like it's okay in that discerning time to be scared of what you think God is calling you to. Yeah. For me in those times, I end up uh, in the book of Joshua a lot, mm -hmm. and, you know, obviously big transition point for the nation, big transition point for him. And, you know, it wasn't honestly until recently that I connected the dots as that I 
are pretty obvious that, you know, God is telling Joshua multiple times, be strong, <laughs> have courage. Mm-hmm. And God doesn't do that just, you know, for fun or like, you know, this might be something you want to work on. I mean, it's like, you're going to need this. Yeah. And so, yeah, there had to be fear, anxiety, uncertainty. Like say, right. It. Be strong and courageous. Why? Because you're feeling weak and scared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's a great point. And, um, you know, I think that leadership is a lot of learning how to operate in that of, okay, I have my insecurities. I have some anxiety about, about what we're doing. I think I've heard from God, whether it's my transition or something new in ministry or the church. Um, but, you know, honestly, until you step in the river, um, mm. you don't know whether it's going to stop or not. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I like that. And, the you know, the, the connect the dots point is it wasn't just God telling uh, Joshua that. If you go back to the end of Deuteronomy, that's how Moses commissions, commissions mm-hmm. him into the leadership role, be strong, and be strong and courageous. courageous. And so, um, yeah, it's, uh, I think a lot of transition is managing the tension between mm-hmm. those two things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Between, you know, that fear and that faith. Uh, I think that's absolutely something that, that is easy to say and hard to do. Has been for me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not sure I know. Anyone, you know, I think, you know, in my life, I tend to drift to one of the extremes Mm. and not kind of walk down the middle with God. You know, my natural wiring extreme is to be very slow, very calculating, analyze things. Um, And, you know, if I just give into that, I could I could stay trapped. Mm. But then there comes a moment where I'm like ready to jump and. I could just jump all on my own without God. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Again, it's another one of those tension points of, you know, I'm feeling courageous, so I want to jump or I'm feeling anxiety. So I just want to freeze in place. And, mm. you know, how do we, how do we learn to work with God uh, in that? How does he work in us? And I, I think for me, develop my faith and mm. a bit at a time. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think you, you know, you hit two really important points you know when when you're feeling that transition moment right which um we'll talk about that holy discontentment because i think that's a great term and i want to unpack that a little bit with you but you talked about right going to god going to scripture going to prayer but then seeking wise counsel absolutely um i don't know how many times in my life i have gotten myself into the deep weeds or deep water uh by not doing that but I know that every time I've sought that God surrounded me with people who mm-hmm. just have a different perspective. I mean, I, I think it's a real challenge to have a totally objective perspective of ourselves and the situation, <laughs> get emotions, we mm-hmm. get tires, so they get all get wrapped up in that. And so, yeah, that wise counsel is, is huge. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, you know, one of the main things we provide with our strategic coaching and, and consulting is, that perspective you know you're so in the weeds in the trenches of the ministry right we talk about the idea of missing the forest for the the trees right that's that's exactly what it is right bringing in that that outside voice lends that ability to be more objective and to help you to then step back and see that bigger picture 
Yeah, that's totally my experience too. I I serve on a, a leadership team at another local church here, and it's amazing dropping in once a week how clear the problems are and how clear the solutions seem to be. Not all the time, but you know, you just drop in and you know I'm not in the weeds day to day. I don't know what's going on. I don't know all the personalities involved. It's pretty much an objective set of facts and say, hey, have you thought about this or have you thought about that? And so you know to be able to be on both sides of that, you know, I can appreciate what wise counsel has done in my life, but I can also see how then God gives us perspective to help others as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk a little bit about that holy discontentment you were, you were talking about, like, how do we discern that versus just I'm frustrated in my job? <laughs> yeah. If I knew that I'd write a book and right. <laughs> we'd both be famous and... Uh, we could just retire and get on with it. Um, I don't know. It's um, I hesitate to call it a spiritual wrestling match because mm. I not found it helpful to wrestle with God over that, but it is spiritual and wrestling with things going on inside of me um, and trying to, you know, seek God and help kind of run those things down and say, okay, is this you? Is this me? Is this a distraction? Mm -hmm. And you know, what I have found is the closer that I can move to God in deliberate ways, in ways that are outside the norm for me, uh, the clearer those kind of things come. So mm. um, I'll try, you know, maybe I, I try quarterly, but let's say it happens two or three times a year to have a just a day-long spiritual retreat. Mm. You know, if I feel like something like this is bubbling to just try to go someplace I, I'm an outdoor guy. I just like that. I'll go find someplace quiet and beautiful and uh, just try to sit and kind of see what God does. Take a journal, write down anything that's coming to mind that God might be speaking. Um, maybe search out some scriptures. Um, you know, I, for me, that's that's kind of a, not just a first step, not just a last step, but an ongoing process in this mm -hmm. of saying, God, I'm, I'm feeling this is this really me or is this you? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, there's been times of clarity in those retreat days, but so many times the clarity just comes in random ways too, where, mm -hmm. you know, a friend will just make an offhand comment about you'd be great at. <laughs> like, <laughs> you don't know mm -hmm. about that. Yeah. You don't know what I'm doing. And, um, you know, <laughs> I, I think God just does that. And then, you know, it points back, I think, also to the wise counsel thing again. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember the transition when I was going to step from marketplace to ministry. Mm -hmm. uh, I went uh, to four really wise people that I trusted mm -hmm. uh, who knew me really well, starting with my wife and my brother and a couple of friends and said, look, I think God is saying pastoral ministry is supposed to be part of my job, not just a hobby because mm. I've been deeply involved as a volunteer at high levels of mm -hmm. leadership in the church. And I said, this sounds crazy to me. Um, <laughs> what do you think? And again, you know, they have that perspective to say, you know, I, I look at the arc of your life. I look at what God's done, where you've been, where you are. This seems totally natural. And so, mm. yeah, 
but you know, there's there's definitely that idea that if I just try to process that holy discontent myself or what I think might be holy discontent, mm-hmm. you know, it can easily turn into something not healthy. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and, and you know, there's there's a time when when holy discontentment is is moving us where God has us to be, right? Because we're not we're not where we're supposed to be, or there's a next step, or or there's something to that. But there's also that you know sometimes work is just frustrating. Sometimes <laughs> things are just tough, you know, and, and sometimes there there's a, a shaping that's happening. Right. You know, maybe God's rounding off some rough edges or helping us to grow in certain ways. That's not necessarily like, yeah, it's time to move on to the next thing as much as it's no, this is a a growth moment for you. Yeah. One of the best pieces of advice about that that I got was um, when I started my second job out of college. So I'm like maybe 22, 23 years old and start with this small engineering company and you know, things are going great. And, you know, two weeks in something happens. I don't even remember what it was. And I'm kind of frustrated. And we had this uh, office manager who, uh, oh gosh, I think she was in her sixties at that point. She'd been around the company for a long time and around Mm -hmm. life for a long time. And I was kind of venting. And she said, look, if, if this wasn't work, they wouldn't have to pay us for it. (laughs) Oh, what do you know? There it is. <laughs> you kind of like that part of a job. And, mm-hmm. you know, so it is a normal part of work. It is a normal part of, you know, whether you're leading or following or part of a team or on your own. Yeah, those frustrations come in different forms, but but they're always there. Mm-hmm. If it was easy, God probably wouldn't need us to right. come alongside <laughs> and use us to do what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, mm-hmm. so let's talk about that. Like you said, you so you you transitioned out of executive pastor. What moved you towards that? So you were you were in the marketplace. Um, you yep. were engineering firm at that point, or software? Or... Yeah, so that same little engineering firm. The owners decided they wanted to semi-retire, and um, at thirty years old, they they gave me a a chance to lead their their company and. I don't know what they were thinking, but uh, hey. <laughs> it was awesome. Um, <laughs> but again, it was one of those transitions where I didn't see it, but you know, my colleagues said, "You know what? Yeah, you can do this. You, you've mm-hmm. got the customer relationships. You've learned what we do." Um, and yeah, it's still a huge learning curve whenever we step into something new. Huge. Oh yeah. You know, no matter what it is. We um, often talk with clients like you need to give a new person coming on a year just to get their feet under them and feel like, OK, I think I finally kind of understand what I'm doing here. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, to have that that opportunity and, and lead that company for about 10 years and then um, just some kind of really strange circumstances uh, led me to a place where I was on the sidelines for a little bit. And it was interesting during uh, that period of time, it enabled me or maybe I finally took the time to do the things that I had always wanted to do, like go on a domestic mission trip, sign up for an international mission trip. Mm-hmm. Um, our church was remodeling a building. They needed a volunteer project manager. I got nothing else hey, going on. I can do that. I have some free time. Yeah. Um but, you know, taking a, a bigger step in small group leadership, doing some teaching, at, uh, retreat type settings. 
And, you know, I would not have said at the beginning of that year that, hey, look what God is doing. But at the end of that year, mm. it was easy to look back and say, oh, how about that? I made time. I did these things I've always talked about doing. And look how God's unfolded this. Mm. Would have never guessed it at the beginning of that year. Mm. That's really cool. It's pretty amazing how how God works in those culmination of days, right? It's not always the the voice from heaven, like with the apostle Paul that knocks you to the ground and, you know, <laughs> calls, calls you, calls you out. Um, sometimes it's just the little days that, that add up to something really profound. Yeah. I used to wish for burning bush moments and now I'm pretty over that. I'm not sure I could stand it. If it <laughs> yeah. But it is interesting. I think in every transition, there's been this long season months sometimes years of kind of wrestling this down with God, trying to really seek after him, figure out what's going on, you know, even involving wise counsel. But there almost always seems to be a moment where it just like all this abstract painting that is totally out of focus, like in a moment, just like laser sharp. And, mm. you know, the transition into executive pastoring was that way. So I've been through this year of leading and serving in, in new ways. And um, yeah, I, I went to uh, the main campus of the church for a meeting uh, about a mission trip. Nobody else showed up except one other person said, what's going on in your life? I was like, well, you really want to know? <laughs> Here it is. So she was like, well, let's pray about that. And then I, I walked out of the door and saw the senior pastor who I had not seen probably for three months. Mm. I mean, I knew him. Um, yeah. Well, you were going to a different campus, I assume. Right. Yeah. Plenty. You know, I had been on the board and, um, you know, worked pretty closely with him. And he looked at me and said, so Dale, what's going on in your life? <laughs> you know, so there's another moment of faith, right? Mm -hmm. Like, ah, you know, everything's good. Mm. Uh, or, you know what? Here's what I think God's doing. And I had no idea that, that the church was looking for the very first executive pastor actually had a search on. Hmm. And, um, yeah, a week later I started. So here you go. I mean, you take a month and, or I mean, a year's worth of diligent preparation and probably several years of preparation before that. And mm -hmm. in the course of a morning and then a week, it, it turns into a brand new path. Mm. Well, there's something really interesting to right discerning that path forward is right. There was a big transition for you from marketplace to church, but what yeah. led you there were these like little steps of faithfulness. Yeah. So, um, I, I don't remember where this came from, but I often use the term, the power of showing up. Mm. And for me, that is a really powerful way that God works in my life and how I see him work in other people's lives is, um, are you just going to be there and are, are you just going to be available? So, um, you know, am I, am I have this time on my hands, am I going to step towards ministry or am I going to mm. go fishing all year? Cause I could easily do that. Yeah. Um, I think I made time for both, but you know, um, yeah. it would be easy, but you know, when those little opportunities come and you say yes to them, I, I think, uh, I don't know. I would not say I'm proving my faithfulness to God. I think God is building his faithfulness into me mm. and kind of gets me to the point where when the moment comes, um, it might be right. 
You know, I, I think about uh, one of the things I got to work on was uh, church planting. And particularly, we had uh, a focus on that in three different areas in the U.S., in Western Europe, and in Mozambique and Africa. And so I'd been on a couple of Mozambique mission trips, you know, good works kind of stuff, digging wells. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were in this transition phase with our missions and you know, somebody said, well, what if we had like a network of church planners in Mozambique? And I was like, yeah, sure. Um, from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, I'm, I'm pretty sure we can do that. Not. <laughs> but, you know, some of the people who had gone before had started to establish relationships. And there were a couple false starts with different people and different networks that, that really didn't pan out. So it's not like every time you take one of these steps, it leads you mm. solely to the right place. But I think there were developmental steps and, you know, I I remember on the one trip we went to go do some training and there was a church planning network already there. It wasn't create a church planning network. It was, do you have enough faith to go Mm. see what I'm doing? Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, well, okay. I think we might know how to help uh, come alongside. We didn't teach them church planning. They were already doing it probably at a higher <laughs> level than we ever did. And, but, you know, we had some resources and, and mm-hmm. access to things that they didn't have and were able to share that with them and, and help them and what God was calling them to do. But uh, we did never discover that staying in Pittsburgh. And mm-hmm. we did not have a plan when we went to Mozambique. So, I mean, sometimes you just got to show up and see what, what God's going to do. No, that's great. And that makes a lot of sense. Trusting enough to take a step that seems clear knowing like yeah this might work out or it might not right like sometimes we do we take those little steps and yeah they don't really pan out too much um you know they might have some impact or or we might learn something or grow somewhere but it's you know in the midst of those moments when you're not sure what's next that really is i think the best thing the wisest counsel that i could give and and sounds like you could give is you know, find ways to be faithful in the moment and God'll God'll make the path clear ahead. Yeah. And uh, you know, I think about when you and I got to work together for a while uh, <laughs> in that for, season. For 12 months or so. <laughs> yeah. But I mean what it was our first conversation <clears throat> that was oh yeah. At least six months, maybe maybe yeah, closer to something like year, that. Yeah. Kind of, um you know, trying to figure things out from the church side, you're trying to figure things mm-hmm. out from your side. And um, yeah, it's just that whole, that whole journey. And mm-hmm. I'm just grateful that God doesn't make us go on those journeys alone. Oh, same. That's <laughs> so, so funny to think about. So my, my transition into the church was probably the longest transition in and the shortest transition out. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what, what was it you said earlier before we started the call? Sometimes we oh, choose transitions. Sometimes we choose transitions. Sometimes transition chooses us. <laughs> sometimes someone chooses it for us. Yeah. Um, I think that might be your tagline of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, and that's, you know, from my own journey, right? That That's what ultimately led to starting this coaching and consulting firm was, you know, I just made myself available to churches in the area and helped out. Like I was a chaperone for a friend. I was volunteering at another youth group. You know, I was 
coaching up a, a young guy who was just starting out because, you know, the church that had reached out to me was not going to be a good fit for me and, and what my family was looking for, but I wanted to help him out. So it's like, well, let's talk about the job description and let's talk about who could potentially fit that. And, you know, maybe I help him and coach him for a year. And that's what I ended up doing. And so, yeah, it's, it's amazing how God opens doors when we're just willing to be faithful in the moment. So that was your plan from the beginning, huh? I'm going to be a coach. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> actually. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, you know, I talked about the burning bush before. I, I used to have this view that, you know, God would have these burning bush moments for all of us and they might happen once in a lifetime. But I, I just don't think that's it. That's, you know, that's not my experience. That's not the experience of anyone really that I've had a window into how they're processing it is, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's a person saying something like I see in you or, um, you know, I think this might be a good fit or um, an idea that either comes from a dream or a God dream. So much of it, I think, is just it's, it's way more of a process than I ever would have imagined 20 years ago. Mm. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's another piece of this that I think is easy to to overlook. Right. Discernment, like you said, it's a it's a process. Right. It's a, it's a figuring yeah. out, which is why there are so many questions around this and so many elements to it. And, you know, the the burning bush moment w would be great. Right. God laid out the plan for Moses. Now, Moses was still <laughs> resistant. To yeah. It. Um, and I think they really still solve a, all the problems. Yeah. Get that way either. Did it? Yeah. There were still a great many unknowns ahead for, for Moses, right? There was still a process to that, right? The people were even still very resistant, oh, <laughs> to put it mildly. Yeah. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so it, it's a process, but I think it, through the process, right, we, we consistently have that choice between faith and fear. Mm -hmm. Um and so it allows that faith to be strengthened if if we're willing to trust and take that next step and the next one and the next one and you know and hopefully the culmination of those steps leads to you know uh, a path that when looking back seems very clear and uh, we can see the hand of God at work but in the moment leads to right that strengthening of faith and okay God this is what I think and we you know, we take the step and trust him to do something with it. Yeah. And I think, you know, in humility, we've got to be able or at least willing to be wrong. And mm -hmm. sometimes being wrong looks a little foolish. Um, mm -hmm. You know, didn't play out that way for Joshua. But, you know, the plan was not, hey, I'm going to stop the river and then you guys should uh, walk across the dry path. It was like, no, you tell the people we're going on this day and you have the priest wait out there and then see what I do. I'm like, mm -hmm. no, no, God, um, I have a better plan uh, mm -hmm. for how you could test my faith. And um, it, it just doesn't, just doesn't work like that. Um, mm -hmm. Think sometimes about faith being like, you know, I'm hugging the, the trunk of the tree and God's saying, take a step of faith out on the limb. And you know, like I take a, a one inch step and he's like, 
okay, that was a step. And I'm like, wow, this feels really faithful. And it, but it's not till you take like, or at least till I take 20 more steps out and the limb is bending and swaying in the wind and just about ready to touch the ground and creaking and groaning. Hmm. Then God shows up. And, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, it's only in retrospect then that we get to see the path. Well, and I think that's, you know, part of what wise counsel brings is it helps you to reflect back on on the path so far because truly that's that i think is the best evidence at least in my life right looking back in my life to see how god has worked and and put things together because there are things that come together that i never would have seen in the moment but Mm -hmm. years later right the pieces connect looking back it's like oh that makes part like clearly that's god at work yeah I, i think that's so true well, and I think when you when you see those moments in those midst of un- uncertainty, it becomes easier then to move forward and go, okay, I'll be able to look back on these years in 10 years and go, oh, that's what God was doing. <laughs> yeah. I wish I could say that it becomes clearer and clearer. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I, I think it, it doesn't become clearer and clearer, but, you know, at least for me, it's become more clear. Not easier, more clear. Um, mm-hmm. God stirs something up. Okay, what am I going to do with that? I'm going to process it with him. I'm going to process it with other people. Uh, if there seem to be some steps that I need to take, take them and kind of see what happens. But be willing to say, like you said, like this could be the first step of you know the thousand mile journey, or this could be the step that was down a dark alley and well, we're not, we're not going yeah, we're we're not not to keep going there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and that's, you know, that's part of, of discerning and that's part of trusting. And that's, you know, part of the, the walk with God that, right. That's juggling that like free will and, and sovereignty and, and, you know, you're, you're just kind of experiencing <laughs> it in real time. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot more fun to read about. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to, your ministry right not just uh, you know am i am i leaving am i staying but the the ministry as a whole how do you discern the time to change the way to implement change right because that's a whole nother discerning process right when you're leading a ministry it's not just okay how what am i going to do with my life with my call but like now we're shepherding people we're responsible for their care uh, in, in church leadership dynamics, we talk about like, especially in multi-site, like steering the ship, right? Yeah. And, and I think sometimes pastors want the ship to turn faster than it can. Um, and definitely faster than the other ships can keep up with it. <laughs> <laughs> so how do we discern and implement change in a way that that we know it's good and that cares well for the people that we're, we're leading? So one of the analogies that we used to use that I I really liked was figuring out what kind of ship you were on. Mm -hmm. If you're on an aircraft carrier, um, you're not going to turn around in five minutes. No. If you're on a patrol boat, go have fun. But you're probably not going to cross the ocean in it either. Uh, There there aren't going to be a whole lot of people on it with you. Right. So I think there's strengths and weaknesses to every size of church, um, every season of ministry and you know there's a couple things i think about when i came here to westlake 
is, you know, I've got the church strategy library behind me. Um, I and, see that. It's an impressive and, collection. And, you know, because of where I was and, and the job I had, I got exposed to a lot of really great leaders and thinkers and writers uh, and practitioners. And so I, I think I, I got a, a pretty good education in that. Um, we came from a, a church that um, discipleship was really the key. Like if I had to describe the church in one word, that's what it would be. And so when I came to Westlake, my not just assumption, but really everything that I knew in ministry said, well, we just search the strategy books to find the, the right approach. And we take the discipleship, discipleship stuff that we know works and put it in place and voila, uh, everything will be good. And I was so wrong. <laughs> so wrong. Uh -huh. um, and again, this is where perspective of uh, friends who are pastors and ministry coach uh, really, really helped me to say, look, get some perspective. These people have been beat up. They have just been through a, an abrupt pastoral transition. They've been through five to 10 years of decline. They've been through COVID. Uh, they've watched all their friends walk out of the church. Um, leaders that they respected are no longer here. Um, and these people are just beat up. And maybe what they really need is God's love. I was like, well, that's not in a book. Um, yeah, it <laughs> should be <laughs> i don't have a strategy for that what, am, what how am i supposed to do that and it you know it really turned out to be true like mm. to really come in and pastor hurting people to walk us alongside them um you know the normal pastoral stuff of when people are going through tough seasons of life or you know losing loved ones but just people who probably didn't even realize how much their hopes and dreams for their church. They love their church. Um, kindest group of people I've ever been around. And I've been around some great groups of people and um, they really just needed to experience God's love again. And never would have guessed that never would have guessed that was the path forward. Mm. Um, seemed very squishy. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. But it's, it's so true, but now that we've been able to build that trust and build that relationship and build health. Now there are opportunities to start to do mm. some of those things after a year and a half that I thought would have been day one, or at least month one kind of, mm -hmm. kind of things, but now we can walk together doing it in a healthy way. And so, yeah, just, I always, uh, I not always, but I frequently make the mistake that, the experience and knowledge that God has given me in the past is exactly how what I need to apply <laughs> in the present. Yeah. Turns out that that shapes what needs mm -hmm. done in the present. Not it's not a prescription, and mm -hmm. so learned that. And then uh, going uh, into the end of last year, and I have a nice little strategic planning matrix. Um, You've seen it on, oh, on yeah. the wall. I have the same one here. I was going to say. <laughs> and, you know, Still on the wall. The major the things we're trying to do. <laughs> Here's what needs to happen month by month. Yeah. Get the next year to happen. And it was towards the end of last year, I cleared off all of that. And I had 
you know, big discipleship initiative penciled in for the beginning of this year. Um, really had laid the groundwork, even shared that with the church. That's what we were going to do. And, you know, my planning board was like, here's the three key steps to doing this and what needs done. And um, yeah, two days after Christmas, my worship pastor uh, texted me and asked if we could FaceTime and he resigned very oh, wow. unexpectedly. You know, I th- he's he's following God. He's going back to another local church that he's been to previously. Um, yeah, I thought I had everything in order and an open mm-hmm. schedule so that mm-hmm. I could work on my stuff. But I don't know. God seemed to have an interruption. And yeah, now you got to learn guitar, and it's going to be amazing. If they put me <laughs> on the platform, it's going to be amazing. No one will ever forget. Let's just say that. Yeah, that might be one of those dark alleys you don't want to venture down. <laughs> well, you know, if we're trying to do a variety show with a gong. <laughs> well. But, you know, it's, but again, it's, it's, it's one of those unexpected transitions. Um, I love Fran. Uh, as a church, we've done nothing but pray for him uh, and mm-hmm. his family. We wish them well, praying for God's blessing where they're going. But gosh, what what are we going to do? Um, mm. Not easy to hire people, um, especially post COVID in the church world. <laughs> They're few and far between. Yeah. Uh, so you know, what are we going to do? Okay. Well, turns out that investing in the people that we have and giving them new opportunities and you know structuring volunteer teams that can you know not just fill a gap but you know take us to a different place. Mm-hmm. is really what we needed to do. And so, so there's been a few transitions in my life that I got to plan and think about, but I think the vast majority of them come with unexpected circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. They come at you quick. Well, and that's, you know, it's an interesting point about change that I think, you know, I'd love to highlight from, from your story there is leadership is often ready for change far sooner mm-hmm. than those we lead. Right. And I think of it like this, and this is kind of the picture I paint when talking about it with folks is, right, if we're leading, we're already at the front, right? Which means we see a different picture of -hmm. what's ahead than the people who are behind us. We've got to get them to where we are before they're going to be ready to go where we're going. Yeah, that's a really good point, Dave. Um, By the time I'm ready to start talking to even my closest leaders about a change. It's rare that I haven't been obsessing about it for three months. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm three months further down the road than they are. And it's a really good point. Um, Not only do I have to help them get to where I am today, but help them get to where I was three months ago. Three months ago. Yeah. When you first started. I think that's a really astute point. It is. That's, you know, that's part of discerning change though, is, is leading through change as well. Um, because right, change isn't always necessarily wanted, but sometimes it's necessary. So yeah, and sometimes we plan it. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes it finds us. Sometimes it just shows up. Yeah, yeah, and that's you know when the unexpected happens. That's another moment of you know, do we lean into fear or do we lean into to faith? Right, and and I think COVID for a lot of churches showed just how afraid they really are, um, which is unfortunate and, and 
you know, makes me less and less popular in, in the church world. Um, but yeah, I think particularly know. at the beginning, there were no clear answers. Like, no, it was just confusing, chaotic mess. Mm-hmm. So what do you do in that? Um, there's no playbook. Um, even if something similar happened again, you know, it's not like you can go back and say, well, let's do well, that this again. is what worked. No, yeah. none um, of it worked. <laughs> true. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's it's the principles of, um, you know, fear and faith, I think, are kind of the extremes. But there's kind of care and caution and pushing ahead might be a little closer to the middle. Mm. And there were no easy answers. Like, mm. I'm not aware of any church or any pastor who did not take a bullet for every decision that they made. Oh, yeah. almost universally. You were guaranteed. We were guaranteed. Someone was mad. Any decision that was made during COVID was going to tick off somebody and someone was going to leave yeah. as a result of it. Someone so, loved it and someone hated it. Yeah. So, I mean, we talked uh, for a long time in the church world. We talked about, well, we can't manage to people's expectations or we can't lead to the lowest common denominator. We've got to move forward. But it was easy to become paralyzed by fear in that and to sort out what was reasonable caution and what was unreasonable fear. And that shifted over time. Um, You know, it even went cyclical a couple of times where it seemed like, hey, we should be taking these steps. And now that doesn't seem so clear. Um, (laughs) And so to me, it's, it's the principles of like, how do we care for people? and help them move forward at the same time. Mm-hmm. If we try to move too fast, like you said, they're going to say, have a nice walk. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and I think you're right. If it's a cruise ship, and you got a whole bunch of people on deck, and you, you turn left real sudden, you're going to start throwing people in the ocean. Yeah. Like, that's just what's going to happen, you know. And those kind of substantial changes, like the they'll lose people. Right. And we saw that with COVID. Right. And I, and I think, you know, one of the things I, I've often said is COVID didn't necessarily put any church on a new path as much as it moved you much faster down a path you were already on. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you because, I, you know, during that time, we heard many people describe it as an accelerator. Mm-hmm. And I think that was very true. I also think it was an amplifier, which is, mm-hmm. I think, what you were saying there is that where there was any tiny little crack, it just exploded into the Grand Canyon. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just really amplified things. But, you know, I think as we started to figure things out and started to emerge, the strengths got amplified as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, like we had a good small group structure. So mm-hmm. it took us a while to figure out what to do with that. but But uh, there it is but we could use it and it could you know that was an amplifier that Mm -hmm. helped health um but you know where there were any cracks and fissures and uncertainty they they became bigger as well Mm -hmm. well and like you said it it revealed strength as much as weakness because right so the people who are with you through covid are really with you right they're they're not going anywhere that that's pretty much the worst of it until we start yeah. hitting the revelation stuff, right? <laughs> Until we start hitting like the the biblical plagues and 
you know, all, all of that nastiness. This, this is pretty much the worst of it that I think we're going to see, hopefully, in our lifetime. Hopefully, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, but they were, that means they're with you, right? Which means you have a solid foundation to to build on. But now it's a question of like, okay, how do we keep momentum going? How do we keep moving forward? How do we make good decisions? How do we keep, right, like you said, caring for people and helping them grow? Yeah, and I think, you know, it's a good illustration of what we're talking about today is transition. Um, we've been through a big transition in the church world. Um, <laughs> yeah. No no ministry that I'm aware of has come through unscathed or unchanged. Um, and so to think that uh, we're just going to go back, you know, <laughs> the Israelites in the desert, like, hey, let's just go back to Egypt. Yeah. That, that wasn't it was so pretty, bad. It was all right. Um a, I didn't mind and. building bricks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A, you can't go back. And B, if you really think about it, nobody wants to go back. And yeah. even to the, the good stuff that we had pre-COVID, um, you know, that's a bridge that yeah. is gone now. So what are the transitions that we make going forward and how do we make them in a way um, that really reaches new people? I mean, that's really what it's mm. going to be about, I think whatever resorting of people has happened over the last few years um, to be saying, well, we're, we're still working on those folks and think they're going to come back. Um, probably not the best strategy right now. Yeah. Um, more what's God doing, what might God want us to do in our community, the people around us and how, how, is the future, the new future going to be different than the past, not mm -hmm. divorced from the past, um, but not defined by the past either. Mm -hmm. you know, what, what is God doing? And so I think all these principles we've talked about today uh, are really helpful in this season of, of the church world. Well, and I think you made an excellent point that, that you know, that I'm going to connect some dots here is, you know, you talked Please about, do. I'll yeah, help everyone you know, else. <laughs> you know, uh, you talked about how, you know, when you transitioned into this new role, you thought you'd take, be able to take exactly what it worked here in, in point A and bring it with you to point B and plug and play and you'd be good to go. Uh, and that wasn't true. You could take the principles. There were pieces, but it had to be adapted. It had to be changed to fit the yep. new context. Churches transitioned in COVID. Everyone transitioned in COVID, whether you stayed at the same church or not whether you know nothing officially changed quote unquote about your church you a transition happened so what worked in point a your church pre-covid will not work in point b your church post-covid right the principles might but it has to be adapted to fit the context that your church transitioned to uh i agree a hundred percent um i think the my favorite leadership book uh, through COVID was Canoeing the Mountains by Todd Bolsinger. And, you know, so the premise is Lewis and Clark, their mission is to canoe up the Missouri River until they get to the Pacific and come back and tell us how easy the water passage is. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they get to the Rocky Mountains. No one's conceived. No, no <laughs> white European person has conceived that there could be a mountain. Oh, no. They've never seen a mountain like that. Right. right. If, if they're coming from the Appalachians or Europe. no. Yeah. So, you know, they have a defining moment choice of 
you know, are we going to try to canoe up tiny little mountain streams or uh, is, is the mission bigger than the tactics? Mm. And so, um, you know, he wrote that book pre COVID, but I think it was, I think it's really a prophetic word to the church because, you know, what he comes down to is the idea of adaptive leadership, which is um, principles still work, but formulas and strategies we had, they just don't work anymore. And, and, you know, he made the case that even pre-COVID that America was becoming so post-Christian and post-modern that all those formulas were not working. And then you take the major, the biggest disruptor we've ever seen of our nice little church world. And it's absolutely true now. And so, you know, he's got more eloquent language for it, but, you know, essentially you experiment, you assess and you adapt. Like you might pull a principle or a strategy, um, but, you know, his recommendation and my experience is you don't sell out on something, even if it worked great three, four years ago, you, like, let's test it, see what happens. Maybe 80% of it works, but we've got to change 20%, maybe 20% of it works and we need to go find a different approach. But it's, I think that's the challenge of ministry leadership today is how do we experiment, assess, and adapt in ways that lead us forward to where God wants us to go. Mm. Yeah, that's a great point. And it, it, you know, even coming into COVID, and you and I have talked about this many, many times and, and had many conversations uh, about, right, the the field of dreams method, right? If you build it, they will come. At, it doesn't work anymore. And, and right, the thing I, I think about it this way, right? Student ministry is often on the the front edge of church ministry because we're engaging with a generation before adult church does in many yep. ways. Um, and so, so if, we can blame you for everything. I would. Oh that's, wait a minute! I think that's how it works in the that's, church. That's world. typically how it goes: is the youth pastor catches the. <laughs> <laughs> it was the youth pastor's fault. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, but that is a good point, Dave. You know, as society culture adapts, youth ministry is on the leading edge of that. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, we're we're engaging with the generation that will eventually be uh, adults, uh, and you know, the the generation that was coming into student ministry, right? Gen Z and and Gen Alpha will be next. Um, they're they're not buying in, right? building some big fancy thing isn't going to right attractional is not going to to work they're not impressed by anything <laughs> they're very unimpressed you know it's the same reason they're not buying into the traditional college thing the idea of selling them on well it's this great life experience they're like yeah i don't need life experience you know and so colleges are seeing severe declining enrollment and they're trying to figure out like, cause the new generation is figuring out different ways to do it. And right. You know, so yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, as I think about it, this whole idea of transition, I probably haven't cl as closely connected personal transition and ministry transition <laughs> as we are today. But I think those, same principles apply. You know, if we go back and think about what we talked about in personal transition, it is experimenting, talking to people, taking little steps, um, not jumping off the deep end, mm -hmm. uh, at least until you're pretty certain that that's what God said to do. Yeah. Uh, say, okay, what, what did I learn? Uh, where does God seem to be leading? How is this 
the shaping and go back and, and keep doing it again. And um, so perhaps uh, those same principles mm -hmm. apply in both worlds there. Well, and I like the, the principle you highlighted of like, yeah, it worked and it worked great, but we still need to look at it and say like, how much of this are we keeping and how much of it are, are we changing? Even if it's 5%, right? Continually being in that habit will, will mean that you're not necessarily having to reinvent things every 10 years, right? It's subtle change is way more palatable for the, the average person, right? Back to the boat analogy. If we're just constantly making small course corrections the entire time, then we can steer the aircraft carrier around and we're not going to lose everybody. Right. And, you know, even... You know, one of the ways that we used to talk about, uh, you know, a good size multi-site church was everybody's on a different size boat. Like we've got an aircraft carrier in the middle and we got <laughs> some speedboats out there on the mm -hmm. edge. Some of those were, you know, new campus starts or church plants we were working with. Some of them were ministries, um, mm -hmm. student ministry being one of them, where you can afford to go out and try some things at a different scale. And, you know, if you think about... Um, you know, I'm not a, a Navy guy and I'm not claiming to be, but I'm pretty sure the aircraft carrier doesn't sail right up to the shore and say, hey, what's going on? Yep. No, they, they figure that out before mm -hmm. the big boat comes in. And so, you know, I, I think there's there's good opportunities to look in our ministry. And, you know, it's easier to see in multi-site ministries, but even, you know, in a small to mid-sized church where I am right now, we have different ministries that function in different ways and you know we can afford to send one or two ministries to go try some things and mm -hmm. uh, you know learn from what works and and follow along or or try some other things so yeah it's yeah the faith journey is never complete <laughs> it's not a destination <laughs> it's a journey mm, very true well dale thank you so much for talking today really appreciate it um, if people want to connect with you or have more questions or just interested to know more about your perspective, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, probably the easiest way is, uh, you know, I'm an old guy, so it's email and it's, uh, it's pretty simple. Dale, D-A-L-E at W-L.church, like Westlake.church. And uh, yeah, I appreciate the opportunity today, Dave. It's always good to talk to you and reconnect and really enjoyed our discussion. Me too. Thanks, Dale. Thanks for listening. I hope it was helpful to you. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any new episodes. And you can always connect with us for more info at strategicmen.com.